0: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and we have a new presidential budget to talk about this week. Joe Biden did lay out his $6.9 trillion blueprint. Uh, which will never become law, we know, but it lays down an important marker here for the battles to come this year over taxes and spending and entitlements. We want to talk about all of that and what it may mean politically. Joining me to do that is Peter Cohn, the budget and tax policy editor at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Pete. Thanks for having me, David. And Aiden Quigley, the appropriations reporter at CQ Roll Call. Thanks for being here again, Aiden. Thanks for having me. And Pete, you're our real resident expert here on all things budget. Um, So let me start. Oh, stop it, David! Come on. Well, let's let's be honest. You you know, you know the numbers better than anybody. uh, At least in our shop, and I would gather around most of Capitol Hill. To be honest, so let's. What What struck you the most interesting in this in this budget plan? You've seen a lot of them.
1: Oh boy, that's a tough question, David. Wow, you're really uh, you're, you're starting in starting in strong today. Um, it's tough to say, you know, it's, uh, well, first of all, they decided somewhere between the state of the union and the budget that they're going to increase their deficit reduction target from two to three trillion, a little, yeah. a little south of three trillion, but anyway, so, uh, I'm not sure what happened there. I guess they, they have probably found a whole lot more stuff, um, that was, you know, that made sense for them to, to put in there, uh, along the way. and you know that's okay i mean there's various new new crypto taxes that found their way in there um you know some new thing you know they increased some of the stuff on the wealth taxes they've been proposing the last couple of years so you know why not you know why why stop at 2 trillion if you can go to 3 trillion and they've been using this talking point that republicans want to add 3 trillion to the deficit by you know extending the trump tax cuts and repealing the irs funding and you know, a bunch of other stuff they've been proposing over the last few weeks since they've taken back the house. So, um, you know, I, I don't really know what's the most interesting part of this budget. Uh, you know, I think generally the consensus is that, um, it's, most of it is not going anywhere. Uh, it's an, you know, and everyone uses this term, it's an opening marker. Okay. I'm not really sure what that means, but you know it's uh that's what it is it's it's an opening b- bid obviously the appropriations numbers are where the the you know the action is really going to be this year because a lot of that stuff on taxes is just a, it's not going to fly with the house republicans so um you know and, and app- appropriations is going to be kind of ground zero for the uh, debt limit fight as well and then so there's some other stuff in there that you could see there's some cuts i mean you know biden actually put some so a few cuts in there here and there and little, you know, slicing little pieces out of Medicaid, um, you know, some stuff that, some offsetting collections that you could, they're having to fight over spectrum auctions right now on Capitol Hill. Biden wants to extend those out. And that's a big chunk of money that the government raises through spectrum auctions. So, um, you know, somewhere in there, you may see a combination of things that could get attached to, let's say, a debt ceiling deal. But uh, the appropriations numbers, I mean, that's just... It's way, way, way beyond what the House Republicans are willing to do right now. If you look at if you compare the Biden approach numbers to where the House Republicans are, I think it's it's well over two hundred billion dollar difference.
0: That's going to be a hard gap to close. Yeah, and we'll get to appropriations in just a minute. But I did think it was interesting how they presented this politically. Um, because here you have Biden facing his first Republican controlled House, you know, for the first time in his presidency. And he set up an interesting fight, I thought, because he knows he's going to ha- have, you know, a hell of an opposition to deal with. And he used this budget to portray himself as the champion of deficit reduction. The first thing out of the gate here that they tried to leak around was how. This budget would reduce deficits by nearly $3 trillion, they called it, to try to beat back what he knows will be the incoming on how he's, he's spending way too much. And he portrayed himself as the champion of entitlement programs, particularly Social Security and Medicare, because he knows Republicans are just gunning for spending cuts. And Biden wants to portray this as an effort to save cherished programs that everybody wants to keep. Not to go slashing spending that's going to hurt, you know, middle-class people. And so, and entitlements really are where the big money is, right? So he he sort of preemptively set the tone here, I thought, fairly cleverly with those. His problem, of course, is he's claiming all this deficit reduction, mostly just by raising taxes on the upper income households, True. But their tax increases—it's almost entirely made up of tax increases that he knows Republicans oppose and won't happen. So that's his big problem. And then he did lay out a plan to save Medicare—you know—to shore up the solvency of Medicare for another quarter century. Um, but again, doing it th- not through any benefit reductions, doing it through higher Medicare taxes, again aimed at those who make more than four hundred thousand dollars a year but it it you know falls right into republicans saying the president just wants higher taxes and it's going to cripple businesses and hurt the economy and so there you have the big battle i think in a nutshell of 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 where we are as this as this process kicks off which which is going to get pretty ugly pretty fast i think particularly because of the struggle that we know is coming to raise the debt limit that has to be done by summer uh, and Republicans are eager to push for spending cuts as a part of that, which makes them want to act real early on this budget stuff. Uh, and And so it's going to be very difficult. And of course, when you talk about these these the the, the budget, we're talking mostly now about appropriations because the entitlements are really on autopilot. And Aiden, it sounds like Biden has set up a very familiar fight. He's increasing defense maybe by about 3%, but he wants to more than double the increase for non defense. That's exactly what Republicans don't want. We've seen this movie before, Aiden, and, and how does this play out?
2: Yeah, so we have seen this movie before, but I, I did think it was interesting that Biden did go a little smaller than last year on his proposed increases. You know, last year he asked for a 14% non defense spending increase. Uh, ended up being around 8% in the, uh, final omnibus, but, uh, I think Biden does kind of recognize it. Uh, you know, he's, he's shooting a little, a little lower this year on the non-defense side for what they're pursuing, because he does know that it is a non-starter, uh, among the house Republicans, but, uh, definitely going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. As a well, Maybe, for- maybe
0: a fraction lower than he did last year, but, but there's still this huge disparity, right, between defense and non-defense in exactly the opposite of what Republicans want.
2: Oh, of course. Yeah, it's a similar, it's, a, simil- it's a, a familiar dynamic, uh, for sure.
0: So <laughs> clearly, it it, there, it Biden isn't going to get the increases he's seeking. And so they have to meet in the middle, as they sort of did last year.
1: Yeah, but David, you know, you keep characterizing this as some sort of problem for Biden. This is... Actually plays right into his hands because he knows none of this is going to get is going to happen. For, for so first of all, on the defense stuff, he knows House Republicans are out there saying they want to cut spending all the way back down to fiscal twenty two levels, which from his budget is about a two hundred billion dollar cut. Now Biden's asking for about a three percent increase for defense, which is you know fairly small historically, but the House Republicans have got to make this math add up somewhere. So what Biden's doing is positioning himself as to the right. Of the House Republicans on defense. Because right, you know, how, all we've heard from the House Republicans is they're not gonna maybe they don't cut defense by very much, if at all, right? But that what, what does that mean? That means flat does that mean flat funding defense? So here's Biden out there with almost a thirty billion dollar increase for defense. And you know, the House Republican how how did how do the House Republicans respond to that? You know, and then the same thing with veterans. He's got this increase for veterans in there, although there's playing a few budget games in there with vets. But in any case you know, if the house Republicans protect the veterans budget, then, uh, where, where where's the money going to come from? Homeland security is already flat funded in the Biden budget, you know, HUD flat funded in the, in the Biden budget. So, you know, where else is the money going to come from? So it's actually, you know, look, we know the whole thing was political to begin with. He's doing the speech in Philly, right? I mean, you know, when's He's the last time that, state, any, he needs to shore last, it up. Right. When's the last time anyone, any of you, remember a, a president going on the road on budget day to do a budget speech from a campaign? You know, from a swing state. You right. Know, it's it's not really the typical thing you see. So you know, we know all that. And then on the taxes, look. I mean, next it, it polls fantastically. I mean, it's a polar, it's a polling dream for the Democrats. Every poll out there says, you know. The rich need to pay their fair share. These big corporations, Amazon, whatever, they pay zero taxes. Right. We got to do something about that. It pulls through the roof. It doesn't matter if it's never going to happen. It's a political winner for Biden. And you know, next year during the elect during the campaign, no one's going to remember that it was actually Democrats in 2021, 2022 who killed most of Biden's tax agenda. <laughs> you know, Joe Manchin, mainly, and Kirsten cinema back when she was a Democrat. But some House Democrats too that were were uncomfortable with some of those things on capital gains and and elsewhere. So this is a a, a no cost proposition for Biden putting all of these things out there. There is l- literally no downside to putting this stuff out. And and, and he keeps saying, well, where's the Republican budget? You know, why am I going to talk to them if they don't have a budget yet? You know, because what are they going to what are they going to agree on that's going to get 218 votes? Meanwhile, the Democrats are out there in lockstep saying this is a wonderful budget, knowing that it's never going to happen in its current form. So this is a win-win.
0: Right, which is why I did think it's sort of politically clever for Biden to to lay it out the way he did. It does bring up what are Republicans going to do, because if they have to cut $200 billion, as you say— um, it, it doesn't, it does not seem right now that they do have much consensus on how to make that happen, particularly if they want to, if they want to boost defense and protect veterans.
1: No, I mean, HUD's, HUD's already flat funded. or they, what are they going to do? What more are they going to cut from HUD?
0: They have to make the cut somewhere. I
2: mean, the, yeah. House Republicans are looking at some really hard math here as they sit down. Uh, Tom Cole said this past week that, uh, you know, defense is the only bill that is going to be spared or that they expect to be spared. So if you if you take that out of the equation, uh, we're looking at some very serious cuts across the board that, again, the path to 218 is very narrow. There'll be no Democratic votes for cuts along the lines Republicans are proposing. Uh, and if you get, you know, if the cuts are too extreme, you you risk alienating moderates in swing districts who, you know, don't want to be taking very hard votes to significantly cut programs that their constituents depend on uh but if you don't cut significantly you have the house freedom caucus who won't get on board so it's going to be really tough for appropriators to kind of thin the you know thin the needle in the way that uh mccarthy kind of promised during a speaker bid that they would
0: which i think is why we're already hearing republicans say they probably won't be able to make their april 15 deadline for producing a budget right
2: yeah, that's, uh, you know, about, about a month away. and They're saying that Biden was a month late, so they'll be late as well. Unclear how long it'll take them. But again, can they write a budget that gets 218 votes? It's the same. It's a similar question as we'll be seeing in the appropriations process as that gets, as that gets going.
1: Yeah, at the same time. Th- so they're going to be rolling out the budget, presumably, in conjunction, maybe a little bit before House Appropriations starts putting their appropriations bills out. So uh, you're going to see, not only you're going to see the, the kind of the big picture for spending and taxes and deficits and, you know, balancing the budget and all that, that the and kind of broad strokes, you know, this is our vision for, you know, X, Y, and Z program. Then you're going to start to see the house appropriators start to put that actually into practice. So they're going to have kind of a macro problem trying to sell the big picture 10 year budget. And then they're going to have a micro problem. You know, how do you move some of these spending bills at these really, really austere levels through the House Appropriations Committee? So, you know, if you're Biden, you're sitting back, you know, yesterday, what was his quip? He said, sure, I'll I'll talk to McCarthy anytime about this stuff as soon as he has a budget. Which is I mean, that that's totally intentional because the jury is very far from being out on whether House Republicans can unify around any of this stuff that they've been talking about kind of in In broad strokes, I mean, the House Freedom Caucus out this morning saying they want to cap the budget for ten years at, at you know, fiscal twenty-two levels. I, you know, can either of you imagine a scenario where that gets two hundred and eighteen votes? No, I can't. (laughs) No,
0: (laughs) I mean, I don't think there's any prayer for that. So, I mean, it's a good talking point, I guess, for the for the hard right Freedom Caucus, but we know that isn't going to get far. It does seem like, to me, it does seem like Republicans are in a bit of a pickle here after making all these promises, you know, to put Social Security and Medicare off the table, to protect defense and veterans, and to slash maybe as much as $200 billion now from Biden's budget on discretionary spending on on a very small, with a razor thin majority in the House, you know, they've given themselves a really, really tough hill to climb.
1: Well, cutting social security and medicare was never going to fly anyway. True. You know, the house right. the Democrats spent the entire 2022 campaign demagoguing that issue, saying Republicans are ready to throw granny off a cliff. So, you know, that was never going to happen. And Republicans know that, and you know, Donald Trump actually very astutely politically back in 2016 identified that mm-hmm. as an issue that the Republicans needed to stay away from in contrast to his all his predecessors who were, you know, always out there and looking like the party of the rich and you know, wanting to throw poor people off of, you know, every, every government program. So, uh, you know, that's not to say there's not still a little bit of element of truth in all that. And a lot of Republicans do recognize that you need to do something about those two, those big ticket entitlement programs. And so do the Democrats. The Democrats recognize it too. They just won't come out and say it. They're, they're too smart for that. (laughs) So, you know, social security and Medicare were never on the table. Medicaid is not really on the table either. You know, there's some small things in the Biden budget that you could see happen, but, you know, it's not going to attack the big, you know, they're not going to be capping grants to states or anything like that in Medicaid. It's going to be stuff around the edges. And, you know, there's a deal you could see around some of these small things. You know, they want to rescind all the unspent COVID money. Okay. You know, Democrats can probably get, you know, sign on to that. There's like, you know, a few other little things in there that generate some money, from revenue. In the Biden budget. So you may see a little small deal around the debt ceiling. You know, so the question is is it too small? And do they lose, you know, these 20 uh, or however many Freedom Caucus members in the House? And then they can't pass anything. And so then we get back to okay, what happens then? Because the House does not have a position, they do not have a negotiating position. So, you know, then what happens? And then, you know, does Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer? cut the deal with the White House. So, you know, these are the, 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 uh, the thought process he's going on right now. And, um, you know, McConnell's in the hospital right now, and presumably he'll get out and he'll be fine. And he's going to end up having to play a role in this at some point. Um, but, you know, as far as the Democrats go, they can just sit back and let the Republicans, you know, uh, do their thing, and that's Biden's point. I like. Why would I even negotiate with them until they have something to say?
0: Right, which I thought was smart. I mean, why, why would he? I mean, I'd put more pressure on them to produce their budget and then highlight whatever spending. Well,
1: why would he? Why would he negotiate with himself? It makes right, no sense.
0: Right. And of course, you know, now this Medicare plan is is out there now. Uh, I guess it dies pretty quick. You know, to extend the solvency of Medicare by twenty five years.
1: Yeah, I mean, wh- where are the votes for that? I mean, look, that's a lot of, that's a hefty tax increase. I mean, they want to take the top rate on investment income up to almost 45%. You know, that's a, more than a 20 percentage point increase. Some of that, it's just, it, it's not going to fly. It didn't fly by, he proposed something much smaller than that. But in the 117th Congress, it was killed by his own party.
0: So that's dead. Um All of the, I mean, we there were a lot of tax increases in this budget, Pete. Raising the corporate income tax rate up to twenty eight percent, raising the top marginal rate back up to the thirty nine point six percent. Killed
1: by his own party in the last Congress. Don't forget that. Now everyone, everyone will forget that next year during the campaign because that's going to be too far in the rearview mirror. We can blame all that on Republicans for protecting the rich. But you know, I'm here to tell you, and you know, everybody should remember the fact that it was his own party that didn't like those things. You know, at least in the Senate, there was some hesitancy in the House too. But they were able to, you know, they would have passed it probably in the House. But uh, you know, look what
0: happened. So all of that is probably out the window, and so therefore, so is Biden's uh, deficit reduction claims, right?
1: Well, his deficit reduction claims are also almost entirely wiped out by the fact that you know they're going to have to do something with the the tax cuts expiring in 2025 on everybody making less than $400,000. You know, big chunks of the the Trump tax cuts enacted in 2017 apply to people who make less than $400,000. So you know you have to do something with that. The Biden budget yesterday is saying, oh, well, we, we really want to do that, but we're not proposing that specifically at this time. We want to do it in a fiscally responsible manner. Maybe we'll offset it, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But, you know, if they do that, that's what, $2 trillion out of their $3 trillion deficit reduction out the window in their budget. So, um, you know, they're basically saying there's no reason for us to do anything about that now because we've got a couple of years, but it's going to be a big issue in the in the 2025 budget Next year, during the campaign, when Biden's running for re-election,
0: yeah, these are the these are the Republican tax cuts that are supposed to expire after 2025. I think. Yeah. Now, Barack
1: Obama, when when Obama was president, used to actually put in his budget. You could see the proposals he wanted to extend all the you know the Bush tax cuts for people making you know less than two hundred thousand dollars. So he he would put it in, actually put that in there, and you can see the math, and it would be factored into his deficit. You know, proposals. So Biden hasn't done that yet, but he may ha- have to start doing that in, you know, next year's budget,
0: for instance. And even if, even if Biden's deficit reduction were to happen, which it won't, it was still, you know, it was less than $3 trillion over a decade. And the problem there is the Congressional Budget Office forecasted $20 trillion in deficits over that decade. So it's still only a, you know, a, a tiny whack at the problem. Uh, if you put it in perspective, which is important to keep in mind, because there's why you, there's this pressure coming to cut spending from Republicans. And so, Aiden, when when are we going to see, you know, the appropriations bills is where the rubber meets the road here. How quickly could these bills actually get going? What do we think is the timeline?
2: Yeah, so appropriations chairwoman Kate Ranger says May is when we'll, you know, see the start of markups. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have to kind of wait and see if they can get things rolling by then. But that's the current the current plan. Uh, the Senate side, Patty Murray and Susan Collins are currently negotiating a top-line figure to start uh, writing bills at. But, uh, you know, TBD to see if that, you know, leadership will have to have a say in that. And and I'm sure it would be a very tentative figure. But, we, you know, uh, Patty Murray on the Senate side is saying they're going full speed ahead. So we'll see. uh We'll see how they how the ball gets rolling over there.
0: And it sounds like they'll be drafting these bills without the guidance of a budget resolution that sets the overall top line spending level, right? They're going to do it on their own.
2: Yeah, it's pretty clear on the Senate side at this point that there's no plan to do a uh, a budget resolution. Uh, so it, the appropriators will just get will just get going on their own.
0: Okay. Well. A lot to chew on here. Uh, the battle is just getting started. We will be covering it all at CQ.com and RollCall.com. But I think that's all the time we have for today. Thank you again, Peter Cohn, for joining me.
1: Hey, thanks, David. Always a pre- always a pleasure to be here.
0: And thank you, Aidan Quigley, for joining me again.
2: Thank, thank you for having me.
0: Be sure to follow all of our coverage on the fiscal 2024 budget at CQ.com and RollCall.com. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and we will see you next time.